0: a doctor in the house doctor doctor give me the news i got a bad case of love you
1: doctor doctor
0: doctor 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 and doctor
1: it's time for advanced medicine monday with dr rashid Batar.
0: i'm a doctor not a bricklayer I'm a doctor not a mechanic i'm a doctor not a coal miner <laughs> The doctor is in.
1: All right, Dr. Bitar. I know uh, we want to talk a little bit about the death of uh, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez and the links, perhaps, whether they are there or not, to other doctors that have been mysteriously killed, died, missing. What do we don't know? Uh, but uh, real quick, you know, on a, on a lighter note, we just ended last hour talking about kids. You've got kids. I've got kids. Superdon has had kids, although they're grown. And it was an interesting story about Disobedience that the kids who are a little bit disobedient, they didn't say how much, but they tend to be more economically viable as adults than those who follow every rule. And and I'm not saying, kids, disobey your mom and dad. That's not the message, because there are rules for a reason in some cases. But I think it's interesting that the kids who are a little bit squirrely on this might end up doing better later in life. What do you think?
0: Well, I don't think uh, it's accurate to say the kids that are disobedient Uh, do better in life. What it actually is, is those who test the boundaries, those Mm -hmm. who push the envelope, push the edge. They may be perceived as being disobedient, but it has always been a sign of intelligence. So the more intelligent a child is, and we see this all the time as we're treating children with autism, they are far more intelligent than their their peer group. Uh, They're cognitively superior. And for example, with my kids, especially with my, you know, with Abby and and then my youngest Rahan. I mean, Rahan seriously pushes the envelope. <laughs> yes. down. But that's the sign of intelligence because you, right. you know, people think, oh, well, to manipulate the environment, anybody who's manipulative is bad. That's the connotation that we have in society. But that's not true because to manipulate your environment, to manipulate your situation, that's always trying to take the situation and create a positive outcome for yourself. So to manipulate your situation, manipulation has a connotation of negativity, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Manipulation can be positive. You can do. You can manipulate. I think sure. we label it that way it's positive or negative. But to manipulate, this means to change to your own benefit or for your own benefit. And so, yeah. children that are perhaps perceived as disobedient, they're really just pushing the edge, the animal to see how far can I go. Mm. They are actually trying to manipulate their environment to, put to their own benefit, and that's basically the sign of cognitive superiority. That's it.
1: Yeah, Super Don was mentioning that with, with the kids, it's like they, they're like little lawyers. They all find ways to find every little loophole in life to try and, you know, squirrel through or around. And, out, you know, they're testing, as you said. They're testing limitations, finding out and it's pushing a little bit. And, of course, those kids tend to find their way and and don't end up to be little sheeple, which, you know, we're not big fans of the sheeple.
0: Exactly. And that's the key right there because they have learned to think for themselves and they will question. And there's nothing wrong with questioning other people that would label those children as disobedience. I think that they've got an issue because they don't understand intelligence. So they're looking for the sheep on the children. But I encourage my children to question. I encourage my children, you know, of course, when there's a boundary that's created, they can push the envelope. I understand what that envelope is. If they cross it, they has to be a consistent set of consequences. And then they learn where the boundaries are. But I think it's if your child questions and tests you all the time, then you need to say a prayer of gratitude and <laughs> thanks because you have an intelligent
1: child. <laughs> Moms are now going, oh, man, really? I have to be thankful? <sighs> but I understand. But, you know, on the other hand, uh, there is a, a real kind of a tragic story unfolding. We don't know the outcome of it. But two 14-year-old boys were, you know, they're allowed to go out on their, fi- their fishing boat. I think it's a motorized boat off of, like, West Palm Beach area or Jupiter, and uh, they're not supposed to go out into the ocean, and evidently they did, and their their boat has been found capsized like 70 miles away, got caught up by the, 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 the Gulf Stream, and they're missing. So uh, as for the kids listening, that's the other side of this. When mom and dad set some limits, they're usually not doing it to annoy you. Typically, it's to keep you safe when you're not sure. The judgment is not all there at the age of 14.
0: Yes, that's absolutely true. In fact, we had in our own family a situation occurred in the last 48 hours, and... Um And I I won't go into the details except that um, I I did something that, as a parent, you know, you you know you're right doing it, but you always think about it and it kind of keeps you up. And of course, Mm -hmm. the next day, things were, you know, way, way better. Um, And to those that don't understand, they're confused like, how can that be better? You know, you you, uh, disciplined a child in a harsh way, but, you know, there's an attitude first and then there's because you, you you set them up for success And when you set them up for success and you push them beyond what they think that they can do and they're crying and throwing temper tantrum and then they actually achieve what they thought they couldn't do because of your encouragement and your stance and not giving in and it finally mm-hmm. breaks through then they have that sense of accomplishment and and it's a very positive experience and of course during the time it can be hard for the parents And remember that your child will push you to the edges. Whoever gives in, you know, know, it's not a win or lose, but if you give in to your child, you you know, you may say child won, you lost, but in actuality the child lost, because Mm. you as a parent, your role is to make sure that you have that consistent message. And if you break, um, and, and, uh, you know, we can talk about this specifically an example with like autistic children uh, over any child that may throw a temper tantrum. And when I've had parents say, well, he doesn't understand he's autistic. I'm like, no. You don't understand. He is training you, and he knows when he can and when he can't get away with certain things. For example, the temper tantrum aspect. He's an angel in the house, but when we go out in the public, if he doesn't get his way. He throws a temper tantrum. Why does he throw a temper tantrum? Because he knows that that's the way he's going to get what he wants. Mm. And, and so this is a situation I teach to parents okay, at, at home. Find something the child wants. You can't do spanking because, one, you know, it, it's not it's not appropriate. But especially for an autistic child, it's not appropriate because they actually have a sensory input deficit. So they mm-hmm. like that feeling, you know, if you spank a child with autism, they actually like it because they're feeling more. That's why they're walking the tips. To That's why hand puffs, because they have a sensory hypersensitivity. When you give them more sensation, they actually crave that. They like the squeezing, the, the 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 that type of sensation. So what you don't want to do is, you know, you don't want to use that. You want to use something like if they have an iPad or some toy. Then you take that toy and you remove it, and as soon as they give you the desired behavior, we reward that desired behavior. Now, fair said that works beautifully, but when we go in public, it doesn't work. I said, the reason it doesn't work is tell me what happens. And of course, the parent, the child throws a temper tantrum, the parent doesn't want everybody else to stare. So the parent gets into the child and gives them what the, what the child wants. And I said, that's because you, as a parent, weren't consistent in the reinforcement. Because mm-hmm. you want to appease the child, you give the child whatever they want, and you just sent the wrong signal. the child learns, oh, if I, if I throw a temper tantrum in public, I can get what I want. It won't work in the house because mom won't give in, but outside, mom doesn't want to be stared at by the by, you know bias because so she gives in.
1: Right, well, and, uh, and again, these intelligent kids, whether they're con- considered an autistic spectrum or not, they know how to play a parent. This is just time immemorial. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. exactly, because they, they figure out, it's very it's simple. Well, if I throw a temper tantrum in the house, I don't get rewarded. I don't get what I want, so I have to be quiet. But in public, as soon as I throw a temper I get what I want. because Mom doesn't want everybody staring at her, so I get what I want. So that's why that's why they only throw a temper in the public. So I tell the parents, it doesn't matter if you're in public or private, you keep consistent with that same message. You don't give in. As soon as you give in, the child says, okay, that's what I need to do to get my parent to give in. If you are consistent with your methodology, the child will then be consistent with their their actions. It's the same principle, you know, in training uh, any animal, uh, a child is the same type of thing. The the child is a lot more intelligent, but to reward the desired behavior, it's the same thing, it's a consistent message, whether it's a killer whale, dolphin which my brother used to train for years, or, or you know, camels or dogs or whatever. It's, it's the same thing with the child. The same thing. It's rewarding the desired desired behavior.
1: All right. Well, a little bit of free parenting tips here today on the Robert Bell Show. Uh, Advanced medicine with Doctor Bittar. Very cool. And I, I've seen you spoke sp- you spoke into many families of children who have been vaccine injured autism Uh, and this message has been consistent as well from you to them and it's a very powerful one so uh, take note take note now I want to switch gears here no easy way to do this but we have been on the air since uh, the loss of uh, my good friend dr. Nick Gonzalez who you knew uh, as well as uh, uh, you know Brad Street and others now some are trying to link all of these things together I'm not willing to just automatically assume they're all linked However, we do know there is motive to, t- to take out certain people who are rocking the boat in a big way. But I haven't gotten to talk to you about any of these happenstances, so to speak. If you want to ask or answer any questions from your experience, what do you think is going on?
0: Well, it's hard to say what's going on, Robert. And, of course, it's uh, certainly curious, at the very least, that, yes. what is it now, 11 or 12? Uh, it's I it, yeah, it's I a, a decent
1: number, but again, in the large scheme of things, people die every day. It just happens to when it happens to be a, in a community where a lot of folks know a lot of folks, and they have a, right. a, a kind of a renegade approach to something. You know, it's right for people to question. I, I, again, I'm not just uh, going, yeah, that's definitely what happened. But you know, there's a lot of folks that like. I look at this. Let me just speculate on Nick Gonzalez. Nick, if they really want to accomplish something, they if if you know the big if, if somebody took him out, right? They could have done it 10, 15, 20 years ago when they first saw him reversing pancreatic cancer and said, oh, this guy's trouble because he's got all the pedigree, he's got all the right schooling, He, but they didn't. To do it now is to martyr the man. He's so beloved, he's done so much good for so many. It's not going to go well, so maybe there's motive for a big pharma minion to do this, but is it a good idea?
0: Well, again, you know, I don't I think it's the numbers, uh, 11 or 12, whatever it is now, within the integrated community all within, you know, 60 days, uh, it is curious. Um, I don't think it's probably Big Pharma or anything anybody like that. Uh, I think it's probably, uh, some. you know, if it is, it's somebody rogue or or it's somebody that's disgruntled or somebody that's trying to send out a message or maybe it's a message of intimidation that they're trying to do. Uh, I don't know. I know that um, there have been a couple of strange things that have happened um, if, with, with me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the last, you know, I haven't, I actually haven't said that out, I haven't said it publicly, but, um, um, I guess my wife might, if she hears the show, she'll hear it. Now. Anyway, <laughs> don't
1: listen, don't listen, Deb. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Well, it, it, it's just been kind of curious things, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything for me. And, um, and whatever, whatever was kind of strange, um, seemed to, um, I guess the thing is that there would be an expected response and the expected response didn't occur as the other party may have expected. And so, um, you know, things just, you know, everything went normal. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, because I certainly wasn't thinking about it. In fact, I was thinking about something totally different. And then when it happened afterwards, I thought that was serious. So you know, I, I don't know really whether you can speculate, but I think if it is somebody doing something like this, it's probably somebody rogue or somebody who's just
1: criminal. Right, right. That, that's a speculation that's more, I think, reasonable at this point. We'll see. Uh, the GCMAF, uh, we may talk about that if you have some opinion on that when we come back from this break. But also, we've got some other stories we want to cover as we do advanced medicine with Doctor Bittar. How junk food can damage your body in nine days or less, and of course, serious side effects of drugs not being reported to FDA according to law.
0: The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert.
1: All right, just so it's clear, I mean, when we cover controversial stories, we don't do it so we'll attract a bigger audience. We're not motivated by that. We, you know, in Dr. Batar, we we're, we're care about getting people well, bringing the power to heal back where it belongs. And by the way, Dr. our last hour, really cool. We got a, a listener uh, who got a The Power to Heal is Yours sticker they put on their window, their back window, like one of those things you can stick on. And somebody came up to their car and said, Thank you. I really needed to see that message today. And I had no idea about the show, but it was like, it was so cool to hear how these empowering words are playing themselves out in the world long after we're off the air, which is awesome and exciting to me to hear.
0: Absolutely. The, word, the power of words has always been so. Uh, underappreciated and, and and they really are it really is crucial for people to listen to those words I have over the last few years my wife and I have both talked about this and we've tried to consciously choose our words mm. um, and sometimes consciously choose them on you know negatively when you're trying to hurt somebody which isn't a good thing uh, yeah. I mean, you get angry but but right. the power of words really really goes far beyond what we think and empowering using empowering words has a benefit that lingers way beyond you know, the initial time frame when the person hears those words, they tend to linger on. And I, I have seen that personal benefit myself. Uh, in fact, there was a great book, somewhat of a, um, Christo, it's a, it's a Christian, um, almost like a preaching type of um, what is that, what's the word? Uh, when you.
1: Proselytize?
0: Yes, it's a proselytization mm-hmm. type book. Mm-hmm. But it's called The uh, Hung by the Words, I think it's. Or, or, Hung by the word, is it uh, hung, hung by the tongue? I think that's what it is. Hung by the tongue. Okay, and it's actually talking about the power of words. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful book from that aspect. Of course, it, you know it, it is preaching, but the point of the book, the essence of the book, is basically talking about how important it is for you to consciously think of the words that you're using, right? And how you can change the change the desire uh, or change your uh, meaning by just changing the word. It, it actually changes your intention and it's, uh, I think it's something that's, from a healing perspective, crucial.
1: Yeah, oh, and there's resonance. In homeopathy, there's resonance. We know energy. Uh, you know, you get a sense. We talk about t- walking in a room with... People who are angry, you feel it. People who are elated, happy, and grateful, you feel it. There's the vitamin L, the intangible, is very tangible in my life. And, and of course, I'd like to think what motivates us is that, that vitamin L, that love, because ultimately that, that's going to overwhelm the forces of evil, you know, when they're going to try to do bad things, either in mass or individually, you know, whether we talk about the Monsantos of the world or we talk about our friends, uh, that have, have passed from this world, you know, particularly Dr. Nick Gonzalez's memorial services tomorrow, uh, and, you know, the, the the concern I have for uh, the people that are just linking things when there may not be a link is, like, when I know something personally about the people involved, and I'm hearing things that don't aren't congruent with that, then I ask questions, and I say, what about the source of those making these claims? Right. And so even in the new media, you have to ask questions about what's being presented. Just because it's new media doesn't mean it's always right either.
0: Absolutely, that's true. Uh, so I, I like to say all the time, just because the doctor is an integrative doctor doesn't make him better than a non-integrative doctor. Because many people have come and said that, and I said, look, there's a lot of doctors that are conventional docs that don't necessarily go into the integrative arena, and they're fantastic doctors. And I know many doctors that are integrative doctors that I personally would never go to. So it has nothing to do with, you know, whether you are um, whether you follow a certain philosophy or not. It's that it's that intention behind the individual. So people tend to label, and, and you have to be very careful with labeling. So I totally agree mm-hmm. with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, so I I think it you know as we go our prayers hearts go out to the families who are affected those doctors that have been lost and they're they're elsewhere in a better place uh, but at the same time we're you know it's like anything we we are the ones left behind but hopefully we carry on good good traditions and in the sense of what I know personally of Dr Nick Gonzalez his life I just you know I can't say enough good about his intent and his intense desire to help folks and to continue to research. Right up till, till the moment he was gone, he was researching uh, so uh, you know we, we just like I said, I, I really appreciate those who have dedicated their lives in this way and lived accordingly.
0: yeah, I think that there was an article I was surprised to see on national news talking about equating one particular type of treatment to all these doctors, and I personally have had a couple of patients that have asked me about it. I've told them, you know, go check it out. I haven't seen any benefit from any, anything clinical that I was like, oh wow, I got to incorporate this mm-hmm. into my practice so I never have. Uh, I just haven't seen any benefits that I would, you know, be impressed with. Right. Um, I don't think, you know, we can talk about that if you want. When sure.
1: And, and also, you know, in that video that everybody's pointing to as evidence of a conspiracy to, to go after Bradstreet and others, uh, you know, no mention of mercury in autism, which is like, to me, that's, a, that's an alarm bell right there. Anyway, we'll talk about it because that's what we do here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We'll go places where a uh, few uh, will dare to tread, but you will because you're here with us, Advanced Medicine with Dr. Bittar. More on the other side of this break, including a question about Myasthenia Gravis. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Roberts Yeah, sometimes bureaucrats and corporations are the bad guys. Uh, sometimes there's I hesitate to use the word bad luck uh, Dr. Batar you know because you, you look at things like someone who appears to be healthy and does all the right things and they die suddenly of a massive coronary some have called them the widowmakers things like that horrible horrible just suddenly gone. Unpredictable and aneurysm, things like that. And, you know, little or no warning in those cases, often it can happen. And so with Dr. Nick Gonzalez, some people are wanting to say it's foul play. I'm not willing to say that necessarily at this point uh, for a lot of reasons, and one of which it is plausible to have a, a really good diet and to still die of a coronary, uh, you know, a, a collapse. Something really devastating happens, like being suddenly hit by a Mack truck, but inside your body.
0: You're absolutely right, Robert. And the they're, they're genetic predispositions. Um, you can look at the opposite extreme with somebody like George Burns, who smoked and drank till he was 99 years old, and you know didn't have a problem. And you have people of the opposite, uh, on the opposite extreme, that have always had a clean, good, healthy diet, and they'll end up uh, dying off of a myocardial infarction. And what people don't understand, they always say, "Well, it's you know blockage, blockage. There wasn't enough time, or his diet was too good, or he exercised, and so they couldn't have been a blockage." But Many, many times when you do a, a PTCA or when they do an autopsy in a patient where they've got uh, an angioplasty or results showing where the, where the blockage is, you know, when they do the they inject the dye and then to do fluoroscopy and you can see exactly where the, where the uh, blockage is. And when mm-hmm. they go in and do the operation, they find that there's no blockage. And what you actually saw on that fluoroscopy scan that looked like a blockage was actually an acute spasm. Because the dye or whatever else caused the vessel to spasm at that time, just like a charity horse or a cramp or anything else right get. The vessel clamps off. Well, if you have a uh, vascular spasm at the r- wrong place at the wrong time, you're going to basically cause occlusion, just like a clot, and mm-hmm. you're going to have distal perfusion that will be now um, compromised. You're not going to get the blood to the heart to nourish the heart muscle, etc. cetera, and you're going to end up having that muscle. Uh, have an acute event and it's going to die, and that can cause. That's basically what we call a myocardial infarction or a heart attack, commonly. And and they'll take a person. And so, it, it, it you can have that proper diet, like you said, and you can do all the right things, and it's still taking. This is the one reason that I've always said that when it's our time, it's our time. We have to live our life as if it's the last day on the planet. We have to live our life as full as we can, and do the best that we can, and live not in fear because. Uh, then you're not really living. If you live in mm-hmm. fear, you're not living. And I would much rather live one day completely free and how I'd want rather than live a hundred years in, in fear. So right. because that, that, is not, that is not living. And Dr. Gonzalez, you know, I didn't know him nearly as well as you did. Uh, we lectured at a couple conferences together and he always came across to me as a very uh, balanced, fit individual. And, uh, you know, at 67, you know, is that early? Of course it's early, but if you look at the national average, seventy-two uh, years of age, is a national average for a male, and so you know he was pretty close to that. And you know, is it possible that that happened. He lived in New York City. He was probably under a lot of stress, just because you're dealing with life and death situations yes. all the time. You know, he probably wasn't getting as much sleep. You know, I know my wife's always telling me I need more sleep.
1: So <laughs> yes. The
0: point is that you know we we like your schedule. You know, traveling, seeing people. Um, on the radio six days a week et cetera, et cetera. so there's a lot of obligations and it's not it's not like you're laying back and having somebody feed you grapes and fanning you all the time you <laughs> know. so that type of stress does reduce maybe the lifespan a bit and, and he almost yeah. was a you know 72 years old age for a male is, is what is considered to be uh, a good life. Yeah.
1: So. Well, and and I know he dedicated his life to help his patients. He would go to the end of the earth to to make it, you know, to dig deeper in in research. And uh, I always respected him for that. At the same time, you know, we we are concerned for one another to say, you know, every once in a while, if our wives remind us or our friends remind us, hey, Doctor Bittar, take take a little day off, and and, and I, you're good at that. Sometimes you'll actually do that. You'll unplug. You'll go places, which is cool. I think I could be better at doing that too, occasionally. Uh, but these are I've been very told real I issues. At
0: that Robert I actually believe. I it or not because... Yeah, because I, even when I'm traveling, though I'm usually working, but I yeah. feel more stressed if I'm not.
1: Yeah, That's the weird thing. That, like, I think that's right? the point there, isn't it? Because like Jonathan yeah. Mord, the FDA Dragon Slayer, he's going out to Montana, he's going to Hawaii. He's, you know he's working entirely, but these folks are driven. They're mission-oriented, and maybe it's a sense of, I don't know how much time I have on, on this planet here to, to complete my mission, but I'm going to darn sure do everything I can to do what I can to complete it.
0: And that's exactly what i feel i feel like i've got three lifetimes of work to accomplish in this lifetime and you know i'm, I'm already halfway through this lifetime and and i'm i'm right now behind schedule
1: <laughs> yeah so take uh, i don't know if you like CBD I do that seems to you know take a little bit of the edge off of it, but whatever you do if you do homeopathics, I like the nine one one stress control from Dr. King, but you know remember the exercise the vigorous uh, appropriate vigorous exercise is always really a a release that can be a longevity inducing
0: that's uh my key right there i mean i if I don't do it i just I just don't feel good, and uh, I was just talking about that earlier on. Now, if you just eat just that, then I don't feel like I don't feel as balanced. That again, it's all about balance. But that exercise, I have to do my exercise. If I don't do my exercise, my I don't, don't think well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't function well. I don't. My energy is not in the right place. My mood is in the right place. To me, it's almost like a drug. Mm-hmm. So I don't take uh, cannabis I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, I don't do any of this uh, other stuff. I haven't partaken on it. Not not to be quite cannabis oil drink
1: smoking you but you understand what i'm saying oh yeah you know i understand i mean you listen you we've got to find the ways that work for us is the point point. and if something works for you you know more power to you as long as it's not detrimental and actually harming you and of course that's a baseline for us and and that we know there are a thousand ways to get to a certain destination and everybody's on their own individual path what we do here what you've done of course with the international bestseller the nine steps to keep the doctor away is provide some pathways for folks that you know growing up in america we were largely completely devoid if you will of these pathways they were hidden from us
0: right well i think that i think that the exercise aspects, as we start talking about that you know i'm going to give exercise a little plug here again it is completely free i'll tell you a quick short story robert that i don't really have enough time but this this actually yeah. brings it home um i had a patient of mine a very affluent patient and one day this is years ago, this is before the book came out um almost a decade ago one day he just finally told me because I said, every time I freaking come in here you're always talking about exercise, you're always getting on me <laughs> about exercise. What the hell is it with you about exercise? It's not like you get paid anymore <laughs> you you know, promote exercise. And I looked at him and I was so appalled and I grabbed a prescription and yeah. I wrote exercise three times a week you know, 30 minutes minimum. I handed it to him and I said, you're going to pay for this prescription when you check out. And he starts <laughs> laughing. I said, you, you can laugh all you want, but you're going to pay. I, I buzzed my office, but I said, there's a prescription that he's going to have, you're going to charge him and my staff buzzed me back and they're like, oh, I don't know, what, what do you put this in the computer for? I said, $50. And I said, and You're going to pay $50 every time till you understand it. Just because it's free, it doesn't mean that it lacks value. Right. And I made right. him pay the $50 as he walked out. So when the next time he came, he goes, Okay, you, you know, I, I get your point. And I told him, I said, Listen, it's, exercise is free. God gave it to mm-hmm. us. But it, just think back into the fundamental aspects of how the Creator created us. He gave us legs to walk, He gave us arms to, to use, He gave us. All these aspects that we had to hunt or gather our food, you know, if, no matter when you go back 20, 50, 100, 200, whatever, you, you know, whatever you believe, how many, mm-hmm. divine creation or Darwin's theory of evolution, whatever. The point being that we have had to use more of our um, body. Yeah. To sustain ourselves. Just like we talk about our grandfathers, you know, back when I was a kid, I had to drive, you know, walk 50 yeah. miles in snow, barefooted, blah, whatever the case is.
1: But we were we designed to, to work this body. It was designed exactly. to. Yeah.
0: And today we don't. Nowadays we do not. When's the last time we hunted for a hamburger? So <laughs> if you exercise, you're going to get a natural component. The growth hormones go up. It's an aphrodisiac. You feel so much better. You reduce vascular resistance. You increase your... Um, balance you, your hormonal cascades increase. Your heart rate comes down. Your respiratory rate comes down. You know you, you're getting a natural lymphatic surge. Your blood is perfusing through the body, but it's just so incredibly beneficial. And if people don't partake in this free gift that the Creator gave us, mm-hmm. you are not you are not living.
1: And, you and if you don't live. appreciate what Doctor Batar is saying, we're going to write you a script and charge you fifty bucks. So you better get it now. Sure, we
0: can do that. Too. We can do that. Too. <laughs> well, what with that, we that let's.
1: Yeah, let's, let's go to the listeners. Uh, they, they have questions occasionally, including now.
0: Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions.
1: All right, this question comes from Terry. Terry Nesbitt, uh, 68-year-old male with myasthenia gravis. One of your guests last week on your talk show stated that he had successfully treated myasthenia gravis by removing mercury from his patients. Can you tell me what process he used to do that? I would also like to ask if his contact information, if possible. Also, I'm a Vietnam vet. Is there anything related to the link with MG and Agent Orange exposure? Now, Dr. Batar, to be fair, he wasn't sure who was saying it. You may have referenced myasthenia gravis and talked about the mercury link, so this may be a question for you.
0: Oh, when you sent me the email, I asked him who he was talking about because I didn't know who the guest you had on that mm-hmm. you know that, that made that comment because I've, well, okay, you remember my email that I sent you, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you you didn't have a guest on that talked about
1: this. No, I don't think so. I'm thinking it oh. was you, and he didn't know oh. it was you, and now we got to say, you want Dr. Hey. Batar, Go to Dr. com, Terry. Oh, so I'm the guest. Yeah, yeah well, again, if you're uh, a new yeah. listener to the show, they may not get it. No, you're my co-host on Mondays, Advanced Medicine. Dr. Batar, Robert Scott Bell, together each and every week, just to make it clear, Terry.
0: That, that that confused me too, because I asked in my email too, I was like, you know, who is he talking about? Because I would like to see if, hmm. they, I've never heard anybody talk about the connection between myosthenic and, uh, and mercury, but, okay, so I'll just study my experience. We've had about a half a dozen patients or so that have had myosthenic gravis. Um, the commonality between them was they were all non excretors when we actually started to document the mercury, which you know, wasn't initially evident, uh, but once it started coming out, it really came out, and... Um, of these patients were in wheelchairs. In fact, I'll tell you one funny aspect about this particular patient I'm thinking of. When she came to me, um, she was in a wheelchair. She couldn't hold her head up anymore. She was 42, 43 years old. Her mm-hmm. head was slumped to one side. She was a very active participant in her husband's business, did all the accounting, but she stopped being able to go in regularly. Then she couldn't go in at all. Uh, and she basically became bedridden or she was in a wheelchair and she just literally had no uh, strength anymore to support herself. Uh, physically, and she couldn't even hold her head up. And we started treating her, and uh, she was out of a wheelchair. I believe in about seven months. I didn't see her for a couple of years. And when the medical board came after me in the last major fight, which was before the 2007, it was in two thousand five, there was a rally. Some patients had. She shows up, and the first thing she says is, "I'm so sorry I haven't been to the clinic." And I was like, "Hey, you're walking, you're talking, you're great, <laughs> you know." And, she, and so she was, you know, she was really, really apologetic. But yeah, she was walking. Everything it's
1: fight, good news. No All no right. Mercury. All mercury. Uh, Maybe we'll add into that the Agent Orange uh, reference after the break, and we'll be here to wrap up with you, Dr. Bittar, and RSB, Advanced Medicine. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The
0: Robert Scott Bell Show. out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert.
1: All right, if you ever miss this show, remember on National News Radio, of course, our syndicator is GCN. And unique to the Monday afternoon, if you're on the West Coast, evening in the East, uh, MedicalRewind.com is an option to just go right to our episodes with Dr. Batar. Hundreds of hours now. Absolutely phenomenal information. Uh, tomorrow, we're planning to rebroadcast the memorial that we did impromptu. Uh, for Nick Gonzalez, because it's the day of his memorial service tomorrow. And uh, as you know, Carol Alt called in. Uh, and as Suzanne Summers and Ty Bollinger last week, the audio was garbled coming out, so you want to hear what Ty had to say as well. Uh, tomorrow we're going to rebroadcast that, so look forward to that. And, uh, uh, Dr. Rittard, I no, appreciate you so much, and you know that, uh, and the things we've been able to do together so exciting, and, and when we get the feedback, it's even greater. Uh, as we heard from this new listener, uh, Terry, the, the other aspect was as a Vietnam vet, the Agent Orange link not only to myasthenia gravis but perhaps any other thing, including cancer.
0: Yeah, Agent Orange is a is a major oxidative agent and um, highly toxic, and uh, well correlated with cancer and other types of uh, immunosuppression. Um, I don't know if Agent Orange itself has uh, mercury in it or not, Robert, but uh, not. certainly is the persistent organic component. Persistent organic pollutant component in there that is uh, detrimental, and uh, there may be some other aspects from a from a metal standpoint. But uh, I have treated a couple people with Agent Orange poisoning, and I don't know whether it was the persistent organic pollutant aspect or the metal aspect when we detox them. But you know, when you do both aspects, it's hard to say which one was actually the one that actually resulted in the improvement in the patient. But needless mm-hmm. to say, they did improve. Um, and you know, not to change subjects or. Uh, reduce the importance of the question that this gentleman asked, but I just want to go back Mm -hmm. to Nick Gonzalez for a second, and and, uh, I didn't know him that well, Uh, I just, I met him at a conference uh, a number of years ago, and uh, uh, he had heard my lecture, I heard his lecture, I talked with him afterwards a little bit, and he encouraged me to look at uh, William Kelly's work, which is what he actually had, yeah, I guess he would actually worked with uh, Dr. Kelly.
1: Yeah, that was his mentor, as tough as it was, that story is quite extraordinary, what he went through to learn what he learned.
0: And I actually looked at Kelly's work and got all the stuff I could find on Kelly and started using um, that aspect in my treatment with enzymes, specifically for the uh, use of enzymes to dissolve the proteolytic cap around the camp uh, around the cancer, which basically is the way that the cancer protects itself. And mm-hmm. so um, I, you know, it wasn't until years afterwards that I realized that Dr. Gonzalez had um, made his uh, name in that industry by talking about the enzymes and. And I just told you off the air, I have just been recently about two weeks ago looking at um, increasing and improving some of those aspects of the enzymes. We've used this ever since I've been dealing with cancer. so it is a great loss. I didn't know him as well as you did, but uh, it is a great loss to the medical community, and uh, hopefully his work will continue and further, and um, certainly yeah. that you know if I hadn't learned about the enzymes from him, you know twelve years ago, whenever it was, I would not have included that in
1: our protocol so. Uh, that's an I, I interesting that. sidelight story. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you know, also lots of, and by the way, Dr. Linda Isaacs, you know, I pray for her be, that she'll find somebody such as herself because she, you know, went side by side into practice with Dr. Nick, you know, when a lot of other doctors wouldn't. And she's terrific. She's got a great heart as well. And uh, she's going to need all the help she can to pick up the patient burden of, or load, if you will, uh, without Nick being there. So I put that out for doctors that listen to this show. Perhaps you're called to serve in that way. Uh, Deirdre Imus is the, is the, the wife of uh, Don Imus, big radio guy in New York. She does a lot of good stuff on holistic mind and body. She wrote for Fox News a story about the dangers of formaldehyde lurking in everyday products. So we talk about persistent organic pollutants. Who would have thought embalming fluid would be in so many things?
0: Yeah, formaldehyde is a major ingredient, actually, in a lot of vaccines.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And they're linking it to uh, ALS now, in addition to other things. We talk about mercury; we can't not. But again, these are other things that are the persistent organic pollutants that are aggravating already bad situations.
0: Absolutely. And if anybody can test the uh, negative aspects of formaldehyde, and people have said that to me in the convention, said, "Well, it's not. You know, making such a big deal out of it. Formaldehyde is used all the time." Well, formaldehyde is used to actually embalm bodies Uh, Mm. and and those bodies are not you know they're not active they're not functional they're not working they're not alive so to use something to as a preserver to fixate the body i I think there's inherent problems with that from the get-go all
1: right exercise and if you don't, 50 bucks next week when we go on the air again. And stay away
0: from the formaldehyde.
1: Yeah, and stay away from formaldehyde. Don't drink it. Don't put it on your body or in your body. All right, Dr. Vitar, I appreciate you so much. Uh, again, shout-out to Dr. Nick Gonzalez on the other side. I know you're doing well. Uh, and, of course, the healing continues because, Dr. Vitar, let him know.
0: The power to heal is yours.
1: Okay. Till tomorrow.
0: That Robert. The Robert, Scott, the Bell Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.